1: Good Saturday morning. It's February 6th. Thanks for tuning in and letting us be part of your Saturday morning. I'm Will Bangura and you're listening to Pet Talk today on the Pulse of Arizona 1100 KFNX where we take your calls and answer your pet behavior and training questions each and every Saturday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Do you have a crazy cat or an out of control dog that desperately needs some training and behavior help? Are you fed up with your pet just not listening? Maybe you've got a bird that's bonkers, a rabbit with bad habits, or no matter what the problem is. That's what we do here on Pet Talk today. I'm here to help you deal with all of your pet behavior problems. Call me right now and learn how to correct those unwanted behaviors. Pick up your phone. Give me a call. If you're in Phoenix or the surrounding area, the number to call is 602 602- 2775369602277kfnx those outside of phoenix you can call me toll free at 866536 1100. I hope everyone's having a great start to your weekend and in just a couple minutes and we'll be going to the phones and taking your pet behavior and training questions and help you put an end to those frustrating unwanted behaviors. Uh, If you've been a listener of Pet Talk Today, you know that we also have a podcast that you can listen to weekly. If you happen to miss any of our live shows, you can go to Apple podcasts and subscribe to the Pet Talk Today podcast and never miss a show. Also, please, if you subscribe to our podcast and you like it, give us a review. The more reviews that we get on Pet Talk Today, Apple Podcast, The High Podcast, and that means that we're able to help more pet owners with their pet behavior problems. So please visit the Apple Podcast and subscribe today. Um, we're heard in about I think it, right now, 50 different kinds we get. That's somehow how Apple decides how high you're going to rank in those podcasts. And uh, this is my labor of love to be able to give back to you and to help you with all of your pet behavior problems. As I said, we'll be taking calls in just a few minutes. You can call and reach me at 602-277-5369, 602-277-KFNX. But first it's time for Pet Talk News. This week in Pet Talk News, a team of psychologists at the universities of Sussex and Portsmouth have purr-filled rapport with a cat by using an eye-narrowing technique with them. This eye-narrowing action by humans generates something popularly known as a cat smile, the so-called slow blink and seems to make the human more attractive to the cat. Eye-narrowing movements in cats have some parallels with the genuine smile in humans, as well as eye-narrowing Movements given in positive situations in some other species. Taken together, the study shows that by a form of positive communication between cats and humans, the study found cats were more likely to slow blink at their owners if their owner had slow blinked at them compared to when the owner was present in the room but not delivering a slow blink stimulus. Cats were more likely to slow blink when unfamiliar experimenters slow blinked at them compared to when they had maintained a neutral expression. Cats preferred to approach an experimenter after they had slow blinked at the cat than if they had maintained a neutral expression. The psychology of cats hasn't been studied as extensively as dogs, but what is already known includes that cats have been shown to attract and manipulate and manipulate human attention effectively through solicitation purring, that cats have discriminating their name from other words even when unfamiliar humans are calling, and that cats may be sensitive to human emotional cues and will rub or butt their head against an owner who feels sad. In our second story, humans, followed by ferrets, and to a lesser extent cats, civets, and dogs, are the most susceptible animals to SARS-CoV-2 infection. According to an analysis of 10 different species carried out by researchers at the Center for Genomic Regulation, based in Barcelona, the findings found that ducks, rats, mice, pigs, and chickens had lower or no susceptibility to infection compared to humans. Knowing which animals are susceptible to SARS-CoV-2 helps to prevent building up animal reservoirs from which the coronavirus can re-emerge at a later date, say researchers. Our findings offer a clue why minks, which are closely related to the ferret, are being infected by the disease, which is probably made worse by their packed living conditions and close contact with human workers. Though we also find a potential susceptibility to infection by cats, They don't coexist with humans in the same conditions as other animals, which may explain why so far there are no known cases of people being infected by their pets, say researchers. Ten species were studied. Five species, humans, cats, ferrets, civets, and dogs, have had documented cases of infection by SARS-CoV-2, but there are no known reports of infection in the other five species, mice, rats, pigs, chickens, and ducks. Humans, chickens, and ducks have the highest genetic adaptation index, while the other species are worse adapted. Understanding SARS-CoV-2 infection across different species can better inform public health measures, helping reduce human contact with other susceptible animals and avoiding the potential prolongment of the COVID-19 pandemic. In our last article for today... Freddie, a Great Dane celebrated by Guinness World Records as the tallest dog in the world, I'm sorry to say has died. The pooch who lived in Essex, England with his owner, Claire Stoneman, measured three feet and four inches from foot to withers or the highest spot on a dog's back. When standing, he towered over people at a massive seven feet five and a half inches tall. Height wise, Freddie stood somewhere in between NBA greats LeBron James and Shaquille O'Neal. The dog lived to be eight and a half years old. Most Great Danes live between 8 and 10 years, according to the American Kennel Club. I'm Will Van Gura. I'm your host, and you are listening to Pet Talk today on 1100 KFNX, where we take your calls and answer your pet behavior and training questions each and every Saturday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. We need to go ahead and take a quick break so that we can hear from our sponsors, Uh, but when we come back, I will be taking your calls. You can reach us if you're in Phoenix at 602-277-5369. That's 602-277-KFNX. Those outside of Phoenix call toll free at 866-536-1100. If you've got a dog or a cat or any other pet, we're here to help you, so don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Raised by
0: wolves with canine DNA in his blood. Sharing funny tales about your four-legged fur babies. Answering questions, some even ridiculous. And taking your calls. It's Pet Talk Today with your host, Will Bangura. To have your questions answered or to comment on today's show, call the KFNX Listener Live at 602-277-5369. 602-277-KFNX. Those outside of Phoenix call toll free, 866-536-1100. Now, back to Pet Talk Today with your host and everyone's favorite pet behavior expert, Will Mangura.
1: Welcome back, everybody. Thanks for staying with us. If you're just joining us, I'm Will Bangura, and you're listening to Pet Talk today on the Pulse of Arizona, 1100 KFNX, where we take your calls and answer your pet behavior and training questions each and every Saturday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Do you have a crazy cat or an out-of-control dog that desperately needs some training and behavior help? Are you fed up with your pet, just not listening? Maybe you've got a bird that's bonkers, a rabbit with bad habits, or a temperamental turtle. Maybe you've got a dominant dachshund. Maybe you've got a Pomeranian with a potty training problem. It doesn't matter what the problem is. That's what we do here on Pet Talk today. I'm here to help you deal with all of your pet behavior problems. Call me right now and learn how to correct those unwanted behaviors once and for all. Pick up your phone. Give me a call. If you're in Phoenix or the surrounding area, the number to call is 602-277-5369. That number is 602-277-KFNX. Those outside of Phoenix, you can call me toll-free at 866-536-1100. I believe we've got a caller on the line, I think we've got Kathy in Paradise Valley. Kathy, welcome to Pet Talk today. How can we help you?
2: Hi, Tim. Uh, thank you for taking my call. Um, I have an adorable poo who is 18 months old. He's very sweet and affectionate, but we have a real problem with his barking. And mostly when he goes outside, if he hears a dog barking, far away he barks non-stop or when the tv is on if there's any animal or cartoon that comes up he goes crazy starts lunging at the tv and will not stop barking so uh i don't know if i need tranquilizers or he does (laughs) but maybe maybe you have some advice for me
1: well, when it comes to tranquilizers, you know some of the good ones are xanax and you know Valium. No just kidding. Um, advice about the dog barking, okay um, first of all, it doesn't matter what the behavior is. A couple of things that I want to say is that if a dog is allowed to continue to rehearse the behavior it's going to continue to be reinforced. So I'm guessing, Kathy, that this has been going on for a while with your Cavapoo. Your Cavapoo, you said, is 18 months old. Uh, Dogs typically start their excessive barking other than play and for attention when they get to be about six to nine months of age. So I'm guessing this has been going on for at least nine months. Yes, no.
2: Well, yes, but we've tried many different Techniques, we have a, you know, one of those buzzers, and he does stop barking for a minute, but then he goes right back to it. Uh, I do have a, a word I use that he, he responds to, but nothing sticks for very long.
1: Yeah. And, and there's a couple reasons sometimes why things don't stick. Um, two things. One can be timing, and we'll get into that a little more. And the other thing is, a lot of times, owners are not correcting a behavior, they're interrupting a behavior. And let me talk just briefly, what's the difference? Interrupting a behavior is something that, just like the word says, it interrupts the behavior, but there's nothing unpleasant about it. The dog really doesn't care. You just got the dog's attention. You interrupted them. They go back into it. Now, oftentimes we think some of the things we're doing, you know, is a correction. I've, I've watched owners tell their dog no, but the tonality they used, the volume that they used, um, it was almost pleasant sounding. And, and so that wasn't a correction for the dog. And then certain dogs have very soft Personalities and temperaments—you barely look at them, and they fall apart. And then there's other dogs that have a really hard personality. You you could give them a really harsh correction, and, and they think it's a game, and they want to come back for more. So you have to watch and see how your pet responds to corrections, or what we think are corrections, and make sure you're not just interrupting the behavior when. We're dealing with a barking problem, and especially the one that's going on in the house with the TV, you know, uh, barking at cartoons and animals and, and lunging. Um, we've got a dog that's highly, highly reactive there. Um, one of the things that we have to do is teach the dog to do something that would be incompatible with barking. So, for example, let's say, does your dog like toys? Yes. Okay. What's what's your dog's favorite toy? Uh, Sally, can you can you
2: say that
1: again? What what's your dog's favorite toy? Uh probably
2: a rubber bone
1: that we play fetch with. Okay. If playing fetch with that rubber bone is more fun and more interesting than going and barking at the animals on tv the dog's going to go for the bone but in some cases that's not going to be enough okay so you can try to play with them with an object they like and if you do that consistently when that triggers there eventually when that trigger comes they'll want to go ahead and play for example i've got um my dog that that wanted to bark at the neighbors. And every time he wanted to bark, I threw a toy. It went after the toy and we had a lot of fun. And now whenever the dog hears the neighbors next door and wants to bark, it goes and gets its toy. Well, the toy's in its mouth. it can't have the toy in its mouth and bark at the same time. But you've got to be very, very, very consistent with that. You've got to be not just reactive in trying to do that when there's a problem, but you've got to be proactive. Turn that TV on. If you have to, Get a DVD, if you still have a DVD player, and, and play uh, Beverly Hills Chihuahua or something like that. But play it at very, very low volumes, okay? You're going to desensitize your dog to it. And also, there's a brightness feature on the TV. Take that brightness feature and bring it down lower. volume's low, the brightness the brightness is low, that's now not as stimulating for your dog. And you can begin that process then of playing with your dog. Do that for a while until your dog pays absolutely no attention to the TV. If your dog wants to pay attention to the TV, you might need to turn the volume down a little more, turn the brightness down. Get to the point where your dog will engage with you and play. Do that for about a week and then go and turn the volume up a little bit and then go ahead and turn the brightness up a little bit. But you need to practice this about two minutes every day, five days a week. I'll give you two days off. And this might take weeks before you get to the point where the volume can be up at a normal volume. The brightness can be at a normal uh brightness. OK, so that's some of the things that you need to do. Um, when it comes to the flip side, okay, yeah, we can we can correct the dog. Um, and and I'll I want you to try what I said first. But the other thing you could do: put a collar, put a leash on your dog when your dog begins to bark gently. Okay,
2: so let me tell you. Let me tell you this, Tim. Um, sometimes we turn off the volume altogether Mm -hmm. and have the closed captions. Yeah. And it's still the same thing.
1: The brightness on the television.
2: he sees an animal or cartoon on that TV, he goes wild.
1: Kathy, remember I said about the brightness, though. But remember I said the brightness, too, okay? Because there, then it's not the volume issue, at least initially. It's the sight issue. Well, you can desensitize your dog by bringing the brightness down. Okay, And then little by little, Ah. bringing that up until your dog gets used to it and it's not an issue. Now, talking about correction, I'm going to finish up here because we're going to have to go to a break in a second. But you can put a collar on your dog, put a leash on your dog. Your dog starts to bark very slowly and gently. Lift up on that leash. You're going to put a little pressure underneath your dog's neck. Don't hang the dog. We don't want this to be crazy. The front paws can be a little bit off the ground. When your dog stops barking, lower it slowly dog starts barking again, slowly lift up, put a little pressure on that leash and collar. As you're putting that pressure, I want you to say, quiet, quiet, quiet. As soon as your dog stops barking, you lower it. Whenever your dog's in a situation and your dog doesn't bark, I need you to reward the dog. And you need to be proactive. Put your dog in situations where you have the opportunity to practice this proactively rather than having to just do it reactively. So go ahead and give that a shot. Okay. I believe, do we have another caller online? We've got Helen in Mesa. Helen, welcome to Pet Talk today. How can we help you?
3: Good morning. I adopted a chippet. Um, She was only five to six weeks. Okay, so I fed her and got her. She's now four and a half months. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. our issue is, not only she's a puppy, mm-hmm. but um, at random, okay, when you go to pick her up, she's about seven pounds mm-hmm. right, right now. Okay. When you go to pick her up, she will literally flip out and start biting. Okay. Um, there's times when you go to set her down, she will do it. It's not a consistent thing. Okay. And I'm concerned that if I'm out walking with her and I have to pick her up for our protection or to cross the street or whatever, um, she's going to do that and get both of us injured.
1: Yeah. You got a tough situation there. How long have you had, uh, how long have you had her?
3: I, I got her at, I'm going to, they, they said she was eight weeks, but the vet said she was probably more like five or six weeks because yeah. I adopted her from mm. somebody's backyard. And, you know, she is the, quote, two types of dogs, you know, Chihuahua and Pitbull, you know, so uh, she's a little uh, hard headed, okay, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but she's very, very loving. Sure. It's just, you know, so for example, she's here and she wants you to pick her up and everything's great, okay, or I'm going to walk out back and I pick her up, set her down, well, the next time I pick her up, she, and she'll literally thrash her body trying to get to you, to bite you.
1: Got it. And let me ask you this. Any other peculiar behaviors with her?
3: She um, is not a barker at all. She's very good like that. She is very toy-possessive, mm-hmm. not food-aggressive, not anything, but toy-possessive. And she does not, and this has been since the beginning because I talked to the vet about this, um, she will bite She doesn't um, nip at you like a puppy when she's playing. When she's mad, she'll lunch for you and bite.
1: And is that just with picking her up or setting her down and with toys? Yes. Okay. How does she do with strange people?
3: Oh, she loves everybody. She loves dogs. She loves cats. Mm -hmm. Um, She, You know, there's nothing that's people, you know. It's just that moment.
1: Mm. Yeah. Anything... In the environment that makes her anxious or nervous?
3: Well, there's myself, and I have a a 40-year-old disabled um, son. So he's, you know, we're very quiet. We're very laid back. You know, there's not a lot of noise, and she gets plenty of exercise. She learned to walk on her harness at about, gosh, seven or eight weeks. I took her out, and so she's very, very good like that. She will not come to her name at all.
1: Okay. Okay. So name recognition. Do you think mm-hmm. she knows her name?
3: Uh, she knows it. She just doesn't come to it. <laughs> okay. she, she's one when you tell her no, like you can't do that, don't chew that, stop. You know. She will look at you and do it anyways. And if I go no and use my hands, I'll gently push her back. Helen, 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 i got to go yeah. to
1: break. I want you okay. to hold on. When we come back from break... We're gonna go ahead and explain exactly how you can deal with that problem. But we've gotta go to news. Don't go anywhere. When we come back, we'll be taking more of your calls.
0: Raised by wolves with canine DNA in his blood. Sharing funny tales about your four-legged fur babies. Answering questions, some even ridiculous. And taking your calls. It's Pet Talk Today with your host, Will Bangura. To have your questions answered or to comment on today's show, call the KFNX listener line at 602-277-5369. 602-277-KFNX those outside of phoenix call toll free 866-536-1100 now back to pet talk today with your host and everyone's favorite pet behavior expert will bangura
1: Welcome back, everybody. Thanks for staying with us. If you're just joining us, I'm Will Bangura, and you are listening to Pet Talk today on the Pulse of Arizona, 1100 KFNX, where we take your calls and answer your pet behavior and training questions each and every Saturday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Before we went to news, we were talking with Helen. Helen's in Mesa, and Helen's got a chip it. And her chippet is biting her when she picks it up, when she sets it down. Um, and we've got some other issues. Helen, I had mentioned to you, thanks for po- staying with uh-huh. us, by the way. Um, oh, no. when, when, when we're dealing with things like this, all right, you have to think about um, how can I make things smaller? Because it's really big for the dog. It's a big deal for you to pick up the dog. It's a big deal for you to set the dog down. And so when I say things are big and we've got to make them small, I'm saying, okay, what is the process of picking up the dog? Well, before you pick up the dog, you're bringing your hands towards it. Maybe you're leaning over, bending down. Then you've got to Mm -hmm. actually put your hands and touch the dog, and then you rise the dog or lift the dog up from the ground. So what we're going to do is we're going to start taking each one of those steps, and we're going to start exposing it to the dog and giving it a food reward. So for example, I might bend over the dog as if I'm gonna pick it up, and say, good dog, give it a treat. And I might do that 10, 15 times a day for a week. And then after that, the next week, I'm gonna go ahead and bend down and move my hands down towards the dog. I'm not gonna touch the dog. And then when I move my hands down towards the dog, I'm gonna say, good dog, I'm gonna give it a treat. And I'm gonna do that for about a week. And then I'm going to go ahead.
3: Oh, she's, she's uh, biting at my pants oh. as I'm walking in. So for example, like she's doing that, she's a puppy. She's there's playing. Nothing, right?
1: There's nothing you can do right now, other than you're going to make her bite more or you're going to get your relationship with her ruined. Because the thing is we've got to desensitize this. What we don't want is her to engage in the behavior. So we're breaking down the different things that we're doing, the okay. triggers. And, and so, Let's say in part of that process of bending over or reaching towards the dog to pick it up, she starts getting aggressive. Well, you went too far too soon. Back up your steps. But you got to reward a lot. And you got to expose a lot and a lot. Then the next step might be just touching the dog very lightly for a half a second and taking your hands off and rewarding the dog. And doing that every day as you bend down and bring your arms down. Doing that 10, 15 times a day and doing that for about a week. And then then you add... The next step would be maybe adding a little more touch pressure to the dog and quickly rewarding and getting used to touch pressure. And then it would be if once your dog's okay with that, you're going to spend a lot of time then just picking up a half an inch and setting the dog down right away and rewarding up a half inch, sit down. But you've got to break this down into little bitty baby steps. That's called gradual and systematic desensitization. Okay? Okay. Um, and then the okay, other. Now, go ahead.
3: How about when I go to, like, try to stop her? You know, I, I mean, I know certain things are puppy, and she's playing. Mm-hmm. But when you go to, for example, you know, I'll use my hand and say no, you know, yeah. and push her back, you know, just a little bit, right? She will growl first at you.
1: Yeah. So, so if
3: you do it again, she'll bite.
1: Right. And and so your dog feels threatened by that. Okay. And one of the Mm -hmm. things that you know you're going to have to do is you're going to have to add something to that. If you've got to have your dog running around with a leash on to give you leverage. All right, okay. to give a little bit of a correction. But the other thing you need to do, okay, and, and I'm going to have to take another call, so I'm going to ask you to listen. Okay. Um, hang up and uh, listen. Yeah, I've been listening okay. all morning. Yeah. But I'm going to finish up with this, so I appreciate the call. But the other thing that you need to do, and folks, anybody that's got a dog that's biting, you've got to begin to condition them to wear a muzzle. Don't just slap a muzzle on and, and, and put it on there. Hey, put some yummy treats in that muzzle. Um, have them stick their snout in it and eat some treats out of there for about a week. Do that every day. Then put it on and buckle it and take it off and give a reward. Put it on, buckle it, give it a reward. Take as much time as you need to get your dog comfortable with that muzzle. But if you've got a biting dog, you got to get a muzzle for your dog. We've got a couple more callers on the line. I know we've got uh, Destiny in Tullison. I believe she's next. Destiny, welcome to Pet Talk today. How can we help you?
4: Good morning. Good morning. Um, So I adopted a cat last year around August mm-hmm. um, she was about almost a year in October so she's around a year and like a couple of months and so with her behavior, I've noticed not with any other cat that her litter box she flings everywhere
1: so she's she's getting in there and, and really flinging everything when she's in there. Yes. Got it, got it. Can I give you the simplest, uh, fix for that?
4: Yeah, I, I, I can try, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Go for you ever it. seen
1: those litter boxes that have like a little cover and they got little an entrance way so they can actually get in there?
4: Yep, we actually have one of those and she tends to fling everything out still.
1: Out, out of the, where the opening in the hole is. Is that correct? Yep. Okay. Uh huh. Alright. Have you tried moving the litter box to a different location?
4: Yep. Okay. And, and she, she still she, does it. She
1: continues to do that. Okay. So this is what I want you to do. Okay. You're going to have to start following her to that litter box. Okay. And as soon as she's done going, okay, okay, um. What I want you to do is: Does she like toys? Like, like you know, a flirt pole where you got a toy on a on a pole with a string and you move it back and forth real quick. Does she enjoy that? Go after things like that. Have you tried ever playing with her?
4: Um. She doesn't go after that, but she has little balls that have bells in them.
1: Okay. And you know what I would do is, as soon as she's done going, I would just go ahead and not crazily, but quietly try to get her attention a little bit. My hope is that she might do a little bit of burying, but not go crazy. And you can get her out of there with a lure, but you, you, you can't try to lure her out there when she's going. So as soon as she finishes, you're going to lure her out either with a toy, uh, with food or something like that. And you're going to need to do that, you know, probably for a couple weeks. But what you've got to do is interrupt that behavior. If, She continues to go to the litter box and you continue to interrupt her when she's done and she doesn't have the ability to do that. And you do that long enough daily. You know, the behavior will extinguish because behaviors only continue when they're rehearsed um, and and there's a a reinforcer for that. Okay. Um, Okay. I would give that a shot. The other thing that I would do, do how many litter boxes do you have for your cat?
4: Uh, we have two. We you have, have two. one that is enclosed and another one that um, really isn't enclosed.
1: Okay. Um, I would, in addition to what I'm saying, move them around a little bit. And also, um, if you're not doing this, clean them daily daily. And not only get that litter out of there, but then wash them down um, with a solution um, such as Nature's Miracle. That really, really gets um, all the smell out of there. And, and give that a shot, okay? Um, try that. See what happens. But don't give up too soon. You know, sometimes it can take, you know, um, a month, two months. Um, but if you work with it daily, I guarantee it'll get better. Next, I believe we've got um, on the line holding Jean in Yuma. Hey, Jean, welcome to Pet Talk today. How can we help you? Hi, Will. How are you this morning? I'm good, Jean. What's going on?
5: Listen, my granddaughter, we have three dogs. Well, my family has three dogs. My granddaughter just, well, just brought home recently a Chihuahua. We know the mother is a Chihuahua. Uh-huh. Not sure what the other breed is, but I'm telling you when she... First brought her home, her legs and her body and her hair were so long, I thought, gee, she looks like an Irish wolfhound, but blonde.
3: Because
5: mm-hmm. she's got really long legs. She's a really good dog. She's a very fast learner. I can teach her something and about five times into it, like sex or sit or, you know, she learns it really fast. My issue with her is she chews everything. She cannot, like, when it's time to go outside, she'll come in, she'll get in my face to let me know she goes asked ask to go outside. So I take her, I let her go outside, her and the other two dogs, they go outside. But on the way out, she has to pick something up off of the floor okay. to take out. Okay. So, and of course, she's very meticulous. Any stuffed animal that we, any stuffed toy that we had, she doesn't just chew a hole in it and stuff it. She takes it apart at the seams. Mm-hmm. And on stuffs it. She takes the little squeaker out. She doesn't chew the squeaker up. But then she carries that rag thing around with no stuffing in it. Sure. So I bought her the hard rubber, like Kong bone.
3: Mm-hmm.
5: You know, thinking maybe she was teething and all that stuff. She's got about three or four. She's got the ones that they, they eat stuff food in and the ones that have the little nubs on it. But I want to, I want you to know that I can go out and clean up the backyard, rake everything up, pick it all up and all that, and she will find something. And before she comes in, there's something else chewed up in the yard. Sure. Like she has chewed two outdoor extension cords. Chewed them into pieces, you know. I, and I don't know what, I don't know what else to do except to muzzle her.
1: Well, I'm going to tell you, Gene. There's a lot that we can do about that, and we're going to talk about that next. I've got to go take a break uh, so I can hear from our sponsors. But, Gene, hold on the line because when we come back, I'm going to go ahead and talk about how you can stop this annoying chewing problem. I'm your host, Will Bangora, and you're listening to Pet Talk Today on 1100 KFNX, where we're taking your calls and answering your pet behavior and training questions each and every Saturday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Right now, we've got to go ahead and take a break, but when we come back, we'll be joining Gene and taking more of your calls. Don't go anywhere.
0: By wolves with canine DNA in his blood, sharing funny tales about your four-legged fur babies, answering questions, some even ridiculous, and taking your calls. It's Pet Talk today with your host Will Bangura. To have your questions answered or to comment on today's show, call the KFNX Listener Live at 602-277-5369. 602-277-KFNX. Those outside of Phoenix call toll free, 866-536-1100. Now, back to Pet Talk Today with your host and everyone's favorite pet behavior expert, Will Mangura.
1: Welcome back. Thanks for staying with us. If you're just joining us, I'm Will Bangura, and you are listening to Pet Talk today on the Pulse of Arizona, 1100 KFNX, where we take your calls and answer your pet behavior and training questions each and every Saturday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. We're going to go ahead and head right back to the phone before we went and... Uh, Went to break. We were uh, talking to Jean, and Jean's got a dog, or I think it's your maybe your granddaughter's dog that likes to chew up everything, right? Yes. Yes. Let me tell you how you're going to deal with this. And and folks, anybody else that's listening, any any unwanted behavior problem, there's two things that have to happen, and usually we're only doing one. There's the reacting to it, right? They offer the behavior on their own, and we react to it. We do whatever we do. We interrupt, we correct whatever we're doing. It's working, it's not working. The thing that we don't do that we need to do is teach what we don't want them to do by being proactive because dogs need repetition. They need repetition in close succession. So what we want to do, okay, is put out the items that the dog wants to go after. But we got to be smart about it. We need to have a collar on the dog. We need to have a leash on the dog. We need to bait and kind of tease the dog with the item. And then what we're going to do is we're going to put a little bit of light, slow upward pressure on the leash. We've got to correct the dog. We've got to create something unpleasant. So when the dog goes for the item, you're going to put a little upward pressure. You're going to say, leave it. And then you're going to slowly lower that leash again. And then you're going to go ahead and bait the dog again with one of the things that it likes to put in its mouth. You're going to really try to get the dog to go for it. And when it does, you're going to go ahead and lift that leash up lightly. Put a little pressure on the collar. And you're going to say, leave it. And you're going to lower it again. Now, on the third time you bait the dog, if the dog continues to go for it, the dog's telling you, that correction is not a correction. The dog doesn't care. It's benign. So what do you do? When you lift up and put pressure on that leash and collar, you're going to hold the dog up there a little bit longer. You're going to increase the time. We've got to balance something unpleasant enough. And, and corrections, let the dog determine what level of correction. You, you watch it. If, it. if it does it once, does it twice, okay. But if you bait the dog three times in a row and it goes for it the third time, It's not a correction, you need to make it a little bit firmer. Now, while you're doing this, when you're presenting and baiting your dog with these items, when your dog doesn't take the bait, you need to be rewarding your dog with the highest food reward you possibly can give your dog. Whatever it might be, chicken, steak, cheese, I don't care but you've got to reward the fact that your dog didn't take the bait. Then you've got to be proactive and do this in different locations, outside, inside, in one room, in another room. You're going to do that for each and every item, whether it be rocks, leaves, socks, remote controls. I don't care what it is. And then lastly, As far as that stuffed animal, stop giving the dog stuffed animals. Your dog has already shown you it's just as happy carrying around that fabric carcass with no stuffing in it, okay? You can go and buy those without any stuffing. So go ahead, do that, and give that a try. Give that a shot, and give us a call back. Let us know if that helped you out. We're going to go back to the phones. We've got Mary in Sun City West. Mary, welcome to Pet Talk today. How can we help you?
6: Yeah, I have a 13-year-old cat that just recently started biting me hard while I'm sleeping between 3 and 5 a.m.
1: Okay. Um, When you say this just started happening, how long ago?
6: Um. Well, he's had a, he's had a bunch of loss. I had another cat that was here that I had to put down.
1: How long ago? And then,
6: my, uh, this was, uh, the cat, well, I put the cat down on the 18th of November and then the next day my husband died. Oh. So he has two losses to deal with.
1: And I'm so sorry so, for your loss with that. That's, that's tough.
6: Thank you. And shortly after that he started biting me to wake me up and, mm-hmm. and, Almost you know, like one night he went he redlined on me. He yeah. he was gonna attack me no matter what. Sure. Sure. While I'm sleeping and so obviously I'm not doing anything to provoke it. I'm mm-hmm. sleeping.
1: Right, exactly. But
6: I I don't know you know, I've gone online and, and searched under Jackson Galaxy, the cat daddy, and he's all the things that I would normally do when something bites me mm-hmm. he tells you not to do.
1: Yeah. It.
6: Don't push it away. Don't don't hit it. Don't
1: mm-hmm.
6: yell at it. Mm-hmm. You know. Sure. So, how, what kind of a deterrent do you do while you're
1: sleeping? Well, here's the first thing. Okay, and and you kind of nailed it on the head. Your cat had two very very significant losses. Okay, and unlike humans who can use logic, reason, critical thinking. Okay, um, we can process these losses. Um, even though obviously, and you know this, you know this better than anybody, you know there 's that long grieving process and and every person handles grief in a very different, very unique way, and the same thing with animals okay and it 's traumatic, and one of the first things that you need to do there 's a couple things because I, you know. We see this a lot. This this is not a new novel thing. This happens. Okay, This is something that happens. Yeah, not, not every single cat, not every single dog, not every single pet, but this is something that can happen. And when it's that severe, when the emotions of the cat have been altered like that because of the loss, and they don't know how to handle it, and they don't know how to handle that grief, and you're the only thing that's there for them to, you know, act out. It's kind of like children, you know, sometimes children can experience loss in, in, let's say, divorce, and and then one of the parents is taken away, and very young children oftentimes will have temper tantrums. And, and that's, they don't know how to express their, their pain, but they get angry. And this can happen with animals as well. The first thing that I want you to do is I want you to make an appointment with your veterinarian. Okay?
6: Yeah, I've already done that. I ran, you know, urine tests and blood tests and everything worked out
1: fine. Well, we all, we want to go ahead and rule out all those things, but the reason I want you to see your veterinarian is because your cat needs to be on Prozac right now. Okay, that's the medication that we use for things like that, and just like okay. people, they need help. Cats do too. For cats, the uh, dosage for Prozac or the generic flux, uh, Fluxetine hydrochloride um, is a half a milligram for every kilogram of weight that your cat has. So that's if you. If you t- I was going to say, hey, take the cat, rule out any medical stuff, but you know, I didn't think we would find anything there. I think the main thing is that we're, you know, dealing with this, this trauma, this horrible grief. Your cat doesn't know what to do with it. And, um, you know, in situations like this, like I said, when, when they're severe like that, and it's not every cat, it's not every dog, but it happens. Um, just like people, they need behavioral medicine as well. So, um, contact your vet and go ahead and, um, you know, mention that to them. Um, most vets are pretty good about Prescribing it, Hopefully they don't make you have to make an appointment with a veterinary behaviorist. Um, really difficult. We've got one in the Valley, uh, Dr. Kelly Moffitt. She's great um, in Mesa, but uh, typically you can't get an appointment with her for about four months because she is the only uh, veterinary behaviorist. But um, that's what I suggest that you do is go ahead and um, make an appointment with your vet. It takes about four weeks for the medication to really kick in, so don't evaluate the therapeutic. Benefit of it until um, your cat's been on that for about um, about a month. We're okay. just about out of time, and I thank you for your call and everybody else that. Called today with your questions. Be sure not to miss an episode of Pet Talk Today by subscribing to the Pet Talk Today podcast, which has a complete archive of all of the Pet Talk Today live radio shows. Also keep up to date on what's happening next on Pet Talk Today by visiting and liking the Pet Talk Today Facebook page. If you've got questions or ideas for future shows, you can email me at will at pettalktoday dot com. Don't go anywhere. Next, after the news, is the Safe Money Radio Show with Angie Samuels. We'll see you next week, Saturday at 9 o'clock.
0: News, talk, sports. The Pulse of Arizona. 1100 KFNX, Phoenix.